If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. In combat, soldiers make it a priority to protect the heart. It's essential to survival. The same is true in spiritual warfare. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah reveals why a spiritually healthy heart is so vital in defeating Satan. Do you guard your heart to keep it beating strong with love for Christ? To introduce the conclusion of his message, The Breastplate of Righteousness, here's David. Well, thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't uh, heard it or noticed it, we're talking about spiritual warfare. And uh, we're going through uh, the different uh, pieces of armor that Paul referenced to the Ephesians. And we're talking about each one and how each of these pieces of armor affect us in our spiritual walk. We've already talked about the girdle of truth, which is what holds everything together. And um, we're now finishing up our discussion of the breastplate of righteousness. This is all in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. It's supported during this month by a study guide, which is um, beautifully presented and gives you all of the lessons in outline form and all of the questions and answers and footnotes and illustrations. It's its the tool you need if you're going to share this information with others. If you want to have a discussion on spiritual warfare, here's a good way to do it. Uh, it's also supported by our resource of the month, which is an answer book on spiritual warfare. Uh, it's 200 pages featuring questions and answers with some other ancillary uh, information in the book. Uh, this is something we will we will send to you for a gift of any size during the month of June. We're trying to gather up a lot of people during the month of June who will help us finish strong. Well, we touch uh, many, many people through our daily radio program. And maybe you have thought, uh, I don't need to really be involved with this because a lot of other people are doing this. And that's the very attitude that causes ministries like ours uh, to languish. We don't want to do that. We need everybody to help. And if you will help us, it will mean so much to us, especially during the month of June. Uh, we we know this is a listener-supported ministry. We can't do this by ourselves. And to say thank you for your gift, we want to send you this beautiful hardcover gift size book, Answers to Questions About Spiritual Warfare, 185 pages of questions and answers, and then a warrior uh, prayer, a scripture guide. You, you'll love this little tool. It's meant to be helpful to you and uh, we want you to have it. So ask for it when you send your gift to Turning Point today. Let's get started now with um, part two of the Breastplate of Righteousness. The Bible teaches us that we're to put on righteousness. Turn back in your Bibles if you're still open to Ephesians 6 to the fourth chapter. And the Bible tells us that we are to put on righteousness. Verse 24 of the fourth chapter says... And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. In the book of Revelation, we are told that when we get to heaven, listen to me. I don't know if you ever knew this before. When we get to heaven, we're going to be clothed in our righteousness. In linen, 
clothing representing our righteousness. And someone has suggested if some Christians don't get things straightened out, in heaven they're going to be indecently exposed. (laughs) You see, here's the careful balance. It's first of all about what Christ has done for us in making us righteous. And then it's secondly about what he asks us to do in light of what he has done for us. Simply that we live as righteous people. And that is a part of the breastplate of righteousness, which the Bible tells us to put on. You may wonder what this has to do with conflict. Let me explain. Apart from a righteous life, the Christian really has no defense against Satan's accusations. Satan will make you doubt whether you're even a Christian. You won't witness because you will think, how can I tell them what Christ has done for me when my life is not any different than theirs? What kind of a life are we talking about? What kind of a lifestyle? Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and there's an extended passage there that helps us. Paul is making his defense before the church at Corinth, and the actual word armor is in this verse, in verse 7, the armor of righteousness. And according to Paul, this is kind of what an armor of righteousness looks like. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 through 10. We give no offense in anything that our ministry might not be blamed. But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. That passage of Scripture is a wonderful poetic description of what a Christian is. A Christian defies explanation by those who don't know Christ. Read through the list again when you get a chance, and it's all about the unusualness of Christianity. The Christian who is wearing the breastplate of righteousness will go through life, and no matter what happens, he will find some victory in every situation, in times of stress, in times of joy, in rejoicing, in sorrow, in plenty, in want. There will be a consistent quality about his life. That's what happens when you have the righteousness of Christ in you, and you live the righteousness of Christ outwardly. There is no power in a Christian's life if it is not a righteous life. You can't witness. You can't be victorious over temptation. Every time you try to do battle with the enemy, he brings to your mind the sin in your life, and he goes right for that weakness, and you are powerless to withstand his tactics. And most of us, at one time or another in our walk with the Lord, we know what that's like. We know what has happened. Dr. Charles Erdman once wrote, One who binds himself without a determined loyalty to the holy will and law of God is secure against the deadly thrust of the tempter. What he means is if we lock into this idea that Paul has given us, that we are not only the righteousness of Christ in Jesus, but Jesus is his righteousness in the way we live, that sets us free. To serve the Lord. Someone else has written, a man who is conscious of being in the wrong is usually a coward. A man who knows that he is right can withstand a multitude and he enters the conflict without fear. 
So here we are. We're talking about how we're going to make it through this time. And, you know, these are pretty serious things that Paul is teaching us, that we need to be people of truthfulness, that we need to believe in the objective truth of God. And now he's talking about our lives. We need to understand what Christ has done for us at the cross, forgiving our sin and giving us his righteousness. But then we need to understand that along with the positional righteousness, which makes us perfectly acceptable before God, he wants us to live in light of who we are. He wants us to become in practice what we already are in position. The breastplate symbolizes Christ's righteousness, and it symbolizes the Christian's righteousness. Thirdly, the breastplate symbolizes consistent righteousness. Notice that in the text in Ephesians, it says, having on the breastplate of righteousness. It's a very interesting change in the words having on the breastplate of righteousness, which means it is not just a one-time thing. It is not something we do and then it is done. We continually put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is not a a one-day-a-week luxury. It is seven-days-a-week necessity. It is not something we piously parade the first day of the week. It is something we must live every day of the week if it is going to work in the warfare. One of the things about being a preacher that is sobering is this very truth, that if I desire to have power in the teaching and preaching ministry that God has given me, I need to be living the life myself. One of the worst things you can do is to traffic in unlived truth. If I were to stand up every week teaching you the Word of God as if it were something for you but not anything for me, my words would fall on deaf ears. I am called upon to live this life like everyone else, and perhaps even at a higher calling. The Bible says, don't become a teacher because there's a higher responsibility for it. I understand that. We have a little joke at home that Don and I never have many long spats because if I leave in the morning and we have a disagreement, we don't have very many, but once in a while we might have one. First thing I do is I go to my office and I sit down and I open the Bible to study for my sermon. It's uncanny how whatever it is that we may have not agreed upon is in the text. I mean, it's just in there. How did he know? So there's been more than one time when I picked up the phone. Don't get me wrong. We have a great relationship. We don't fight. I can't remember when we had a last disagreement. But in the past, we've had some. And I've had to call her from my office and say, honey, I'm sorry. And I not only do that because I really am sorry, but I know that if I don't do that, I'm not going to get anything done. I'm not going to be able to study. I'm not going to have any peace of my heart when I'm preparing the Word of God to teach it to the people of God. In some ways, that's a challenging thing, but in other ways, it's a wonderful blessing. It keeps short accounts. You make sure that you don't stray far away from the truth. And, you know, that's what I pray, that God will help me not to ever do anything that would undermine all the years of teaching that I've been doing. I'm not a perfect person by any means. I'm still under construction like all of the rest of you. But you understand what I'm saying. I want to be actively involved in becoming in practice what I already am in position so that every day I'm seeing growth in my life. I'm seeing God do something in my life that needed to be done because of the challenges that come before me. The breastplate symbolizes consistent righteousness, every day living for the Lord. Not just weekend Christianity, but weekday Christianity, hourly and daily Christianity. And then the breastplate symbolizes controlled righteousness. 
The breastplate symbolizes Christ's righteousness. It symbolizes the Christian's righteousness. It symbolizes consistent righteousness. And then last but not least, this breastplate of righteousness symbolizes controlled righteousness. I want to read you a little thing, and you listen. I am your constant companion. I am your greatest helper or heaviest burden. I will push you onward or drag you down to failure. I am completely at your command. Half of the things you do, you might just as well turn over to me, and I will be able to do them quickly and correctly. I am easily managed. You must merely be firm with me. Show me exactly how you want something done. After a few lessons, I will do it for you automatically. I am the servant of all great people and, alas, of all failures as well. Those who are great, I have made great. Those who are failures, I have made them failures. I am not a machine, though I work with all the precision of a machine, plus the intelligence of a man. You may run me for profit or run me for ruin. It makes no difference to me. Take me, train me, be firm with me, and I will place the world at your feet. Be easy with me, and I will destroy you. Who am I? I am habit. The Bible teaches us that we're to make a habit out of living righteously. We're to cultivate these principles in our lives until, like a habit, they become an automatic part of who we are. We don't have to sit down and think about what to do in every situation like we may have had to do when we began. You know when you become a Christian, little by little, you're digging the furrows into the hard drive of your mind, and little by little, those things become a part of who you are. They just become a part of who you are. That's what it means to be consistently controlled in the righteousness of Christ in your life. Here is the practical application. How can I be righteous? Can I try harder? (laughs) Apparently, the Apostle Paul attempted that approach, and listen to what he said. He tried harder, and then he wrote, For what I will to do, that I do not practice, and what I hate, that's what I do. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. That was Paul's report card after he tried to do better. And then somebody who is in the deeper life movement comes along and says, Well, the way you do this is you just need to just give it up and let the Lord do it. How does that work? What does that mean? How do I become righteous by just passively waiting for it to happen to me? No, it's not either one of those. Others say, well, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's absolutely true. You breathe out sin, you inhale the appropriate Spirit of God. But here is a clue that I want you to see that comes from the picture of the armor. The significance of the armor is not only what the armor is, but where it is worn. The breastplate of righteousness fits right over the vital organs. Basically, it was given to the soldier to protect his heart. It was for the purpose of guarding his heart against the enemy's arrows that could snuff out his life in a moment. This is the same reason why many of our police and others wear bulletproof vests, because the vest protects them against a bullet. They wear that bulletproof vest in a very specific place to cover the heart. And just as the girdle of truth is worn on the loins to strengthen us for service, the breastplate is worn upon the breast to protect our heart. The heart is the seat of emotion. It is the seat of affection. The heart is a picture of our emotions. It is that inner visceral us where we really live. But it is actually your physical heart as well. 
Let me explain. When you are angry, your heart pumps so much blood that your face gets red. When you experience fear, your heart forgets to pump blood and you turn white. Isn't that true? So your heart is, your physical heart, it's truly, it's connected with your emotions in some respect. Don't tell me your heart is not involved in your emotions. Sure it is. Sir, when you got married, you didn't call your girlfriend your sweethead. You called her your sweetheart, right? (laughs) Because she was special to you and you had a great desire for her. How do you put on the breastplate of righteousness? Here's just an interesting little thought about where the righteousness is in the armor. It starts with our heart, doesn't it? We need to fall in love with Jesus again. Instead of trying to live better, we need to learn how to love better. We need to fall in love with God again because that relationship will dictate our conduct. When you learn how to love the Lord through his word and through prayer and through fellowship and through worship and through interaction and accountability, when you practice the art of holiness, when you take time to be holy and you love God from your heart, it will start to change your life. The old things of the world will begin to fall off like barnacles off of a ship and you will begin to be made new from the inside out. We saw the passion of the Christ for the first time. We'd never seen it. We had some idea. We'd heard all the publicity about it. We didn't know for sure what it was going to be. And we had planned on the way home that we were going to have a staff meeting in the plane and take advantage of the time. We saw the passion of the Christ. We left as they were making the final appeal. We were clear at the back of the building. We needed to get to the airport. I will never forget that trip home. It was unreal, unlike anything I'd ever experienced. All the guys got on, very comfortable airplane. We had a little food there. Nobody ate anything. All the way home from Dallas to San Diego, not a word was spoken, not one. Nobody knew what to say. Nobody wanted to break the silence. I heard some sniffles. I heard some tears. I heard some crying. What happened to us that night was we were connected in a way we had never, ever before been connected with the incredible love of God for us. We saw the beating that Jesus took because of his love for us, and it so totally unfit us for anything that we could have done on the way home. Some of the guys told me it took them two or three days to get over the impact of that film. And some of you are shaking your heads because you had the same impression when you saw it for the first time. I want to tell you what I said to the Lord that night as we were traveling home. I remember it like it happened yesterday. I said, Lord, please help me never to do anything to hurt your heart. Please, Lord Jesus, help me never to do anything that will disappoint you or will bring grief and sadness to you. I'm sure I have done it, but my heart is that I understand more than ever before the love that God has had for me through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, and the terrible anguish that Jesus went through that I might be redeemed. And I am in love with him. I am unashamedly in love with Jesus Christ. And because I am in love with him, it dictates the things that I do and the things that I don't do. Some things that I might do, I am caught up short because I love him. And I love him only because I have discovered in a new and fresh way how much he loves me. And that's what I think the breastplate of righteousness is all about. It's there to protect our heart so that our heart is not wounded in ways that make it impossible for us 
to live lives of holiness based upon our love for God in heaven and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. When you put on the breastplate of righteousness, you are dealing with your heart. So that's the question, is it not? Where is your heart? So many modern Christians are losing the battle here. We've gotten caught up in what the world has to offer, and our heart is off in some other place. And where our heart is, the Bible tells us, our treasure ends up being there too. Where your heart is dictates your lifestyle. Where your heart is sets your priorities. Sometimes uh, kids will come to me, especially when I was uh, president of the college, and we would get into discussions about certain kinds of entertainment. And they would ask me, do you think I can do this? Can I get by with this? To interpret their question, it was really what they were saying is, how close can I get to the things of the world without getting in trouble with God? And when we do that, are we not giving away our affection? If you really love somebody, you don't try to live as far away from them as you can. You do everything to live as close to them as you can. This is the nature of love, and when you love God, you will want to live as God wants you to live. You won't be seeking how to walk as far away from him as you can. You'll be trying to learn how to walk as close to him as you can. Perhaps you're thinking, well, if I live this way, if I take on this challenge to be in practice what I am in position, if I ask God to help me love him more so that I can live, I can't imagine, Pastor, all the stuff I'll have to give up. And unfortunately, legalistic churches have fostered that idea that when you become a Christian, you give up all these things. I don't drink, I don't dance, I don't chew, and don't talk to people that do. I mean, that's kind of how it went, you know. <laughs> that's the way it looks. But I want to tell you something. Whenever you are pursuing the righteousness of Christ, and he gets you so in love with Jesus that you begin to realize that you're uncomfortable with some of the things that's go on in your life and you walk away from them. You never miss them because God replaces them with something far better. You cannot ever give up anything to God that he doesn't make it better. He takes what you give him, transforms it, and gives it back to you in a better way than you could ever have known it before. Do you remember the boy who gave up his lunch? He had the joy of watching 15,000 people get served dinner, and then he received back 12 times more than he had when he started out that morning. You say 15,000? Yeah, it only counted the men. So if you want the real number, it's the men plus a wife and probably a child here and there. 15,000 people served because one boy gave up something to Jesus. And then there was the man who had a tomb, and God asked him to give that up. And he got it back three days later, all sweetened with perfume. And with the testimony that Jesus had stayed there for three days and then was resurrected. And then there was the man who was asked to give up their donkey. Do you remember that? I don't know if he really wanted to do it or not. You can't really tell from the text. But I have to believe that as long as that donkey was on this earth, he was the most famous donkey in all of Palestine. You don't ever give up anything to God that God does not give back to you, and you cannot outgive God. And when you give him your life, and you ask him to make you the kind of person he wants you to be, and you give yourself to him in that kind of commitment and submission, you're putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Now you're getting ready to go to war. You've got 
truth that you believe in and truthfulness in your heart. You've got the righteousness of Christ, which clothes you and makes you accepted to God, and you have your own practical righteousness every day walking in truth, walking in truth. And now you can go do battle with the enemy because you are protected. Amen. Amen. Little by little, we're building an arsenal of weapons here that help us. Uh, someone said, well, these weapons are all defensive. No, they're not. There's a, there's a couple of offensive ones, and we'll get to those as we get to the end of the series. But we don't have to be victimized by Satan. That's the important truth of this series. You can be protected from his determination to destroy you. Uh, it seems like if you look around, Satan's had some major victories in these last months, taken down some people who had great influence for Christ. We don't have to allow that to happen. We do not. We do not have to be victims. We can be victors. That's what this series is all about, and I hope you'll listen every day and learn how to implement these truths. Every time I teach this, I'm reminded of how important it is to continually come back and review this because times have changed. They haven't gotten better, friends. I'm sure you've noticed. Hey, one of the tools you can have that will really help you uh, to be a, an effective warrior for the Lord is this little spiritual warfare book that we've put together. And uh, it features 86 questions with answers uh, on spiritual warfare. I hope you'll take advantage of this opportunity and uh, get this for yourself. Here's what you do. Send a gift to Turning Point during the month of June and ask for it. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. Will you tell us one way that you're being blessed by Turning Point? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Answers to Questions About Spiritual Warfare. It's a great way to stay on guard and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series Spiritual Warfare here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Legacy. When I think about my life and the legacy I will leave behind one day, I remember the legacy of faith I saw in the lives of my parents and it is now reflected in the lives of my children and grandchildren. Then, I reflect upon the calling God placed on my heart to preach and teach, and I think of the people who have been touched around the world through the ministry of Turning Point. Each of us will leave a legacy. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? In addition to the legacy that will be entrusted to your family, Perhaps you have considered leaving your imprint on something with eternal consequences. Many people don't think beyond this life. They live only for today with no hope beyond the grave. But for the believer, we not only have an eternal perspective on life today, 
We want to leave behind a testimony of our faith so that others may come to know Christ as well. Long after you and I finish our time on this earth, Turning Point will continue to bring the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. And there is still so much work to do. Will you join me in this very important effort? What will your legacy be? If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. 